Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. I am your host, Bill. On November 4th, 2008, history was made in the United States of America when Barack Obama became the 44th president of the United States. Also, besides that bit of history, Barack Obama became the first African-American to be voted in as president of the United States of America. So, what better way to do an episode the night after the election than by doing an Ocean's Eleven parody? Because the episode that I'll be reviewing this week is about last night. Now, before I get into this episode, I want to talk about this election because really the the election was one of the biggest deals that I can remember um, in my lifetime because you had George W. Bush who had done his you know he had his two terms as president and um you know there were a lot of interesting people that were up for you know the nomination for both republicans and democrats um of course i talked about earlier in the season and even a little bit of last season where i mentioned obama and hillary clinton and a, and a few others who had been running for excuse me you know that that had been running for the nomination i do want to mention the republican party and real quick some of the people that ran made an attempt for the nominations uh for republican um so there were four people who withdrew before the primaries even began, which I find kind of funny. Uh, Sam Brownback of Kansas, Jim Gilmore of Virginia, Tom Tancredo of Colorado, and Tommy Thompson of Wisconsin. So, what happened is slowly but surely, piece by piece, the candidates started to drop out and it began on january the 19th when duncan hunter a representative for california had dropped out after he had earned an estimated one delegate count at the end of that or actually a few days later pardon me fred thompson the u.s senator from tennessee and also known for being on law and order dropped out on june the 22nd into february mitt romney withdrew from the uh from the election or you know withdrew his party uh he was governor of massachusetts at that time uh we go to march and mike huckabee who was the governor of arkansas withdrew on march the 4th Actually, I want to go back real quick because I did make one, um, I, I, I forgot to include this person, Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York. Uh, he withdrew on January the 30th. Now, John McCain secured the nomination on March the 4th, 2008. One, I want you to remember that. Two people withdrew after McCain had secured the nomination. Alan Keyes, who was the Associate Secretary of State for International Organization Affairs for the State of Maryland, and Ron Paul, a representative for Texas, withdrew, well, Keyes withdrew on April the 15th of 08. Ron Paul lost the nomination on June 12th, even though McCain had secured the nomination in March. Wow. So, uh, we get to the election, and it's a pretty good turnout, and Obama ended up getting 365 electoral votes. 
John McCain ended up having 173. And while McCain did have a lot of the Midwest states, he had the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, which was one of the bigger prizes, um, and even a little bit of the Southeast, Obama had most of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic had Ohio, had Pennsylvania, had Florida, had California, and that's pretty much what summed up Obama winning the nomination. Now, Obama had a total of 69, basically rounded up to 69.5 million votes. That stood as the largest tally ever won by a presidential candidate until 2020 when this was surpassed by both majority candidates in a high turnout election. So that means that in the previous election we just had both Joe Biden and Donald Trump had more popular votes than Obama did in his first uh, election as president of the United States. So kind of a very interesting uh, scenario there. So now that I've gone through you know what what the Republicans had to offer going into you know trying to figure out who was going to get the nomination and all of that. Actually, I want to mention one thing real quick because this was such a big deal this election. And for those of you that don't know, I I am a wrestling fan. During the early part of that year, like. March, February, March-ish. And I'm not kidding, because WWE had this campaign uh, called SmackDown Your Vote. And with SmackDown Your Vote, basically they were trying to get fans to register to vote. And that's actually how I registered, was through the SmackDown Your Vote campaign, which was actually a really good campaign, uh, now that I think about it. On an episode of Monday Night Raw, they had taped messages of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John McCain each telling each or telling the people to you know to register SmackDown your vote. It's actually quite interesting that uh, WWE at that time was able to get. All three, because really, you know, I'm going to mention Hillary Clinton because all three, those were the big three. Everybody else at that point basically did not have a chance. But when it was Obama and Clinton, you know, going at it for a while for the Democratic nomination, and when it was McCain, who had already gotten it by this point, they went on... Monday Night Raw, of course, they were taped segments, and they played it on Raw to get people to register to vote had they not voted. So, yeah, they, so, you know, wrestling fans, you know, we kind of joke about, like, how Donald Trump, you know, only president ever in the WWE Hall of Fame, well, they actually had Obama on an episode of Raw as well, so you could say that WWE, within the last 15 years, has had the last two presidents of the United States of America on their program. Okay, so I'm getting a little bit away from this episode. Let's dive into this week's episode. It is about last night. The episode was written and directed by Trey Parker and aired on November the 5th, 2008. We begin the episode with Barack Obama thanking everyone as he has been voted President of the United States of America. So they're using kind of word for word some of the speech that Obama said after he had won the election. Well, Randy is so happy about this, and so is Gerald, but more Randy. Randy is just so 
excited, so happy that Obama's won. And he's like, change, change, you know, and, and he's going crazy. And he goes out on the street and a bunch of Obama supporters are there as well. And they're like, I don't know what we, you know, I, I'm not sure what to do. I, you know. I, I can't believe this. You know, he, he did it. We're going to get change. And they're like, I know what we can do. So Randy moves a little bit and he starts to boo. While he's booing the people in the Scott or the Stotch household that voted for or that were supporting John McCain. And and uh, I, I like uh, Butter's dad's reply. It's like, I'll boo yourself. So, you know, the Obama, McCain, they're giving their responses as far as, you know, with the election going on. And all the Obama people in South Park are going crazy that they've won the, you know, Obama's won the election. And while that's going on, Kyle goes to Stan's house. And Ike is with him. Now, Ike is upset because he wanted McCain to win. Aw, poor Ike. And Kyle is looking for his parents, but he can't find them. And Stan's the same way. He can't find his parents. So they're celebrating, and we hear celebration by Cool and the gang as, you know, as they're just celebrating this big moment. And then it goes into who let the dogs out, and or, uh, Randy's like, who let Obama out? Who, you know, and Stan calls, and he's like, yes, I, I'd like to file a noise complaint. I know he won. So then we go to Obama and McCain, and they meet each other, and they're having a laugh. And we come to realize that this has kind of become part of a plan that Obama and McCain have had. And they call up this Brad Pitt lookalike character and tell him that, you know, our work's not done yet. We've got one thing that we have to do. So we're going to meet together. So as this is going on, um, Mickey by Tony Basil is playing. Yes, that wonderful hit 80s song, Mickey by Tony Basil. A very odd choice to put in for this episode. I mean, Celebration, I understand. Who Let the Dogs Out, I kind of understand. But Mickey? Mickey? Tony Basil's Mickey? Actually, I'll say this. The first time I ever heard, um... Mickey was actually Disney had a Valentine's Day special and they did their own version of Mickey with a completely different person and I thought that like when I watched it I thought those were the words to Mickey but it actually wasn't <laughs> so anyway uh, Officer Barbrady comes out and tries to tell people to go home you know, the celebrate, you know, it, it's over. And Randy's like, I bet you're a McCain supporter. Boo! And they tip over his car. Meanwhile, McCain, Obama, and the crew, as we find out, known as the Presidential Crime Syndicate, have one major heist that they have to do. And they have to do it while the country is distracted. What are they going to do? They're going to attempt to steal the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond is a real diamond, and I'm going to dive a little bit into it uh, real quickly. It is one of the most famous jewels in the world with ownership records dating back almost four centuries. Its much-admired rare blue color is due to trace amounts of Baron Adams. It weighs 45 and a half carats. Its exceptional size has revealed new findings about the formation of diamonds. The stone originated from the Kolor mine Guntar Andhra Pradesh in India. The stone is one of the world is is one from the world famous 
Golconda Diamonds. Earliest records show the stone was purchased in 1666 by French gem merchant Jean-Baptiste Tavernier as the Tavernier Blue. The Tavernier Blue was cut and yielded the French Blue, which Tavernier sold to King Louis XIV in 1668. Stolen in 1791, it was recut with the largest section acquiring its Hope name when it appeared in the catalog of a gem collection owned by a London banking family called Hope in 1839. After going through numerous owners, it was sold to Washington socialite Evelyn Walsh McLean, who was often, often seen wearing it. It was purchased in 1949 by New York gem merchant Harry Winston, who toured it for a number of years before giving it to the National Museum of Natural History in 1958, where it has since remained on permanent exhibition. The estimated value of this diamond ranges from 200 to 350 million dollars. Yeah. And it is easily one of the most secured um, pieces of jewelry in the world. It is very, very secure. So, the plan is, with the, with the steel of the diamond, Obama will go into the Oval Office. He will go un, under the tunnel, and he's going to go into the presidential tunnel. In the tunnel... The tunnel is underneath the Smithsonian. So McCain and a, and a bunch of others, they're going to disguise themselves as a construction crew. And they're going to break a hole, basically, to find a way to get in. Because there's a bunch of lasers, it's computer, you know, set up. And eventually they'll get in. So Obama goes right to the Oval Office right away. And Obama, excuse me, Obama goes in and he figures out the code. He goes under and this is where we begin. So, as this is happening, Sarah Palin is on the mic. And she's like, well, you know, I know we did a good job, but you know what? We're going to try again next year and I'll run for vice president in 2009, don't you know? So she gets a call and she drops her Alaskan accent <laughs> to give her real voice, which is kind of a British voice. And, you know, she will be there to help. Meanwhile, back at the celebration, we hear Ike crying. And Ike's going to jump. No, he's going to kill himself. Ike's got too much to live for. He has like a five foot drop. So Ike does this jump after Kyle tries to convince him. It's going to be okay. Obama's economy plan's going to work, blah, blah, blah. It really, it's just boom. So now Stan and Kyle have a problem. Ike's hurt. There's no parents to get into the hospital. How are we going to do this? So they put Ike, like the Simpsons episode where Lisa has Bart after Bart you know like accidentally injures himself and he's unconscious see Simpsons did it um but no so they they have Ike in the wagon and they're trying to you know they're asking anyone to take him to take them to the hospital and Randy's like yeah there's gonna be change and then he sees his boss and Randy just flat out curses out his boss he just rips him apart just tears him apart verbally and the guy's like i voted for obama too and he's like f now f you he's talking about change for us it doesn't concern you and he get he punches his boss what are the ramifications of that well we'll see we'll see in a few minutes so meanwhile uh, Barack comes out of his, out of the Oval Office when he is told that his wife Michelle is coming, and Michelle is there. They go into the Oval Office, and well, now we have a problem. The problem is the Smithsonian had updated the lasers, 
the the basically the sensors to you know catch anyone that tries to steal the diamond. So Michelle goes off and he's like, "I married. I pretended to be married to this bozo and blah 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 blah," which is kind of a funny little moment there. Um, so they talk Michelle, basically convincing Michelle to do this, even though, you know, the, the sensors have changed and it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Why didn't you tell me right away? They didn't really know. Meanwhile, Stan and Kyle still have Ike in a wagon and they go to this cave. Well, this is, well, according to Butters' dad, is an ark. And this is where he and a few others are going to stay for in case the end of the world comes with Obama being the president. And this is kind of a funny little bit because Stan and Kyle try to get someone to, you know, again, try to get somebody, anybody, to take Ike to the hospital. And they're like, no, you're not going in here completely ignoring what was asked and they you know have this whole thing and there's this one part where this one guy's like aren't you you're gonna deny these two cute kids with their dicks like this into the, into the ark and stan's like get your effing hands off me so after they decide you know what we're just gonna go on all the mccain supporters fight each other and one of them is like, it's not even been four hours and we're already having chaos. So now Obama or the Obamas have made it inside the Smithsonian, but they haven't quite made it yet into the into the into the room where the diamond is. So they you know hatch up this different plan where this person's going to do this, this person's going to do that, this one's going to go here, this one's going to go there, and they're going to, you know, manage to get everything done before, basically, the sun rises. So, now, the boys, we go back to the boys, and they've made it to the hospital. And, you know, they're like, nurse, you got to take, you got to take him, he's seriously hurt. And she's like, was he an Obama supporter or was he a McCain supporter? And they're like, what does that even matter? And she explains that, well, if you're an Obama supporter, you know, you're probably just too drunk celebrating. If you're a McCain supporter, you probably have wanted to hurt yourself. So as this is going on, Randy, who somehow has made the hospital is like why is everyone stopping why is everyone stopping we should be continuing to celebrate change and he starts singing um a song about obama and some of the mccain people are just like hurting themselves and so as they continue to go on kyle and stan ask the nurse well where are the doctors and the nurse explains that there's only two doctors here the third doctor went on vacation or actually, no, he didn't go on a vacation. He's out celebrating with, you know, the Obama crew. And then they ask, well, where's the other doctor? She opens the door, and there's the doctor who was a McCain supporter, and he hung himself. Oh. So now, they... So now we go back to the Obamas, and they are able to get the diamond. And, oh, by the way, Barack Obama puts the hope diamond in his anus have to mention that so they got it they're in the limo and one of them is like well wait a minute how are they gonna believe you know they're gonna be asking where have you been where have you been and obama is like oh i have a plan what's the plan well you're stan and kyle and they're sitting in the hospital room with Ike. And there's, I guess, what would be considered a private jet, a private plane. Inside the plane are these dummies of everybody. McCain, Obama, Palin, everyone that's been involved in this heist. And all of a sudden, Ike gets out of the bed. 
and he has something in his hand. Clicks it, boom! The plane explodes with everybody in there. And Kyle's like, what the hell? So as they're distracted, Ike goes across the room into like the medical room and he puts everybody that's deceased. And then Stan and Kyle go across and they see what Ike's done and they're like, Ike, what are you doing? And he goes, boom, baby. So basically, Ike had, and I actually like that. I, I actually like that idea um, of, you know, Ike kind of being like the swerve guy in all of this. So then we get to the end of the episode where Claire de Lune is being played. And I'm going I'm to get back to that in a little bit. So all seven of the presidential crime syndicate they're about to leave. They're about to go to, I, I guess, Tahiti, because the plane did say Air Tahiti. And Obama decides, you know what? I think I'm going to stay here. I think I'm going to do this presidential gig. And he asks Michelle to stay with him. And he's like, Michelle, why don't you and your kids come live with me in the White House? We'll settle down and just relax and run the country. And Michelle's kind of like, eh, okay, sure. So the others leave. Meanwhile, the remaining members of the McCain support group in South Park, they see the sunrise. And they're like, you know, maybe it's not going to be so bad after all. And then we go to Randy, who is waking up with a massive hangover. Lost his pants. His TV's gone. And then Stan goes to Randy and he tells him, Dad, your boss called. Don't go into work. You're fired. And then Randy is like, Damn it, Obama. You said it was going to be change. I should have voted for McCain. And that's the end of About Last now, I want to get back to Claire DeLune, because that is the musical piece that basically, for the most part, wraps up the movie. That song is used in the 2001 remake of Ocean's Eleven, which is a, is a remake of the 1960 movie. So, the final scene, or one of the final scenes in the episode, or in the movie, pardon me, in the movie is most of George Clooney's gang is walking outside of Las Vegas and they watch the fountains go up and down as this beautiful music plays. And slowly but surely, each one of them leaves one by one by one and I, I will be honest uh, with, with what I'm about with yeah with what I'm about to say here I've never seen the full movie I've never seen the movie from beginning to end but the first time I saw that clip or that part of the movie towards the end and that music plays I was holding back tears. That was one of the most beautifully executed scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And they chose the perfect song, I thought, for that. And Claire DeLune, uh, just to give a brief, uh, brief, you know, brief what it is, uh, it is the most famous movement of Sweet Bergamasque in D major, it is written, uh, and you know it's written. It's me, you know, it has meters and it has marks. Its title, which means moonlight in French, is taken from Verlaine's poem Claire de Lune. It is not to be confused with the two settings of the poem composed by Debussy for voice and piano accompaniment. So that's what Claire de Lune is. Now. 
as far as this episode goes, um, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. This was a fun little episode. It it has been a long time since I'd seen this episode. The only thing I remembered was the Ocean's Eleven parody with Obama and McCain and the others. That is what I remember. I didn't remember the side story. So that's kind of a fun little trip down, you know, memory lane. Um, Like I said, it's a fun little episode. It's, you know, not supposed to be taken seriously. It's basically, you know, here are the people that are reacting to what happened. And here's what the two that ran basically were doing after the election was over. So, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna give it an 8. I, I think 8's a good score. It's one of those episodes where, yeah, it's a parody of a movie, and it's kind of a way to maybe have people relax after, you know, the historic event that happened the day before. So, I think they did a good job with it. So I think an, an 8 is a good score for this episode. Um, I want to... I'm going to read a quote in a minute, but I do want to talk about the theme of this episode. And this is, of course, from Wikipedia. An interpretation of the episode summarized its contents as a condemnation of those who care too much about political issues. The episode satirizes the variety of reactions from liberals and conservatives in the aftermath of election returns. Somewhere between a boozy orgy of celebratory puking in the streets and apocalyptic panic. The episode exaggerates the reactions to extremes to illustrate possible absurdity. Now, Matt Stone um, had a quote about making this episode and I want to read this and this is basically him saying about the show staying apolitical quote we purposely stay politically confusing we play the spectrum from doing things that are either nor political at all or spot on I think stuff that works the best is not when we talk about the politics like if he takes Pennsylvania he can win the whole thing it's more the emotions behind the politics and why do people feel this way and admitting we're all human beings. Good quote. Some production notes about this episode. The episode's plot originated before the season even began when the writing team began brainstorming ideas. Parker and Stone noticed that an episode from the run could air the day following the election and set their sights on producing that episode. Parker was particularly set on producing the episode after seeing the uproar over a joke from a recent Family Guy episode, the episode being Road to Germany, in which the character of Stewie, dressed as a Nazi, sports a McCain Palin button. Because, you know, Family Guy really goes into politics. South Park had previously criticized the program with Cartoon Wars, which you guys can check out in the archives, and Parker in intensely disliked the joke. Rather than focus the episode's plot as satiric commentary on modern politics, the duo instead decided to create an absurd action movie plot inspired by Ocean's Eleven. Which, oh by the way, real quick, um, I forgot to do this part. Ocean's Eleven came out December 7th, 2001, had an $85 million budget, grossed $450 million at the box office. I say that's pretty good. We've all heard about everything. We've talked about everything to death, Parker said. And it's like, let's just put him in a diamond heist movie. They're just diamond thieves, and it's not about the politics at all anymore. After coming up with a neutral plot that would not disclose who would win the election, it gradually became obvious over the season that Obama would emerge the winner. Parker felt strongly over the course of the election season that Obama would win the election, so much so that he bet money on his victory in October. Parker used a sports betting website, 
which he normally used to gamble on football games to predict the outcome. The website placed the odds heavily against McCain. The team initially intended to create an alternative version in case McCain won, but found the prospect too daunting considering their quick production schedule. In a possible scenario in which McCain... Okay, I've never read this, so this is going to be interesting. In a possible scenario in which McCain was declared the winner, the duo intended to air the completed episode as is and deal with what was termed their Dewey defeats Truman moment later. Possible outcomes included doing a drunken Mystery Science Theater 3000-esque commentary over the completed version in which lines were poorly dubbed over the dialogue. This is actually great. Rather than partying in the streets, Obama supporters would be rioting, while McCain supporters would hide in the ark to protect themselves from the riot rather than a, than a world in which their candidate loses. There was a really stressful 15 minutes there where we thought, oh man, what if we're wrong? We really banked on it, said Stone. In choosing which characters would be liberal or conservative, Stone admitted the choices were something arbitrary. The character of Randy getting inebriated was always something the team found humorous. As a result, it was natural he'd become a hard-partying Obama supporter. In contrast, Mr. Garrison, who in the series is a self-hating gay man, is portrayed as a McCain supporter to provide irony. In one possible storyline, then-President George W. Bush would heroically take the blame for the diamond heist in a parody of The Dark Knight, but it was rejected as jokes about Bush had become overdone. And you know what? I think they were right by not going that way. The episode includes details such as excerpts from Obama's victory speech and the stage and podium on which he spoke. For the victory and concession speeches, Parker wrote placeholder lines until after the election's outcome. Following Obama's victory, the duo found it remarkable the amount of placeholder material that turned out similar to the actual speech. Comedy Central, as usual, as usual, saw a few finished sequences before the episode went to air, but raised questions over one scene in which Obama's grandmother fakes her death. Obama's real grandmother had passed the day preceding the election. Now, that's one thing I do want to go back real quick, because in the plan... When after Michelle Obama comes in, there's a part of the plan where Obama's grandmother is supposed to call like the police and say like, "Hello, Georgia. I placed a bomb in the Smithsonian. I placed a bomb." The episode was completed on the morning of its air date, hours after they typically complete episodes. We're delivering it right up against the wire every single week. Trey and I got home at 10.30 yesterday morning, said Stone to an interviewer the day following the episode's broadcast. Okay, I just want to say real quick, before I get to the receptions. Had McCain won that election, and we ended up getting a drunk MST3K episode, that could have been one of the greatest South Park episodes ever. Oh my god, that would have been hilarious to no end. Sean O'Neill of the AV Club commended the episode's apolitical approach, but wished tonight's inconsequential silliness had been a little funnier across the board. Alan Seppenwall of the Star-Ledger criticized the episode as a half-hour SNL sketch, commenting that only the first five minutes he felt were humorous. Newsweek criticized the episode as a lukewarm parody in a 2010 article criticizing the creative state of the program. While this episode was perhaps not as funny as it could have been, it manages to feel poignant, says Travis Fickett of IGN. Trey Parker and Matt Stone have always turned around South Park episodes with impressive speed, but Wednesday night was ridiculous, said James Hibbard of The Hollywood Reporter. Now one thing I am going to say before I go into the IMDb reviews, is I don't remember, and this is one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast, 
is to give me like a, a, a refresh course. With the exception of maybe a few times, I don't remember South Park doing much of anything about Obama. I really don't. I know there's one in season 13. I'm not going to say which episode, but he's mentioned at the end of that episode. And then there's like the re-election episode four years later, but I really don't remember anything else. So it's going to be fun to watch over the next four seasons how much Obama stuff gets brought up on South Park. Because I remember with Family Guy, there was an episode... I think it was the episode where, like, Peter needed a, a new kidney. And at the end of the episode, Obama, you know, the, the character Obama, comes and they're playing, like, Elvis Presley music and they're, you know, making Obama like Elvis, like he's the king, you know, like that. And then where with The Simpsons, when Donald Trump was president, it seemed like every chance they got if it wasn't on the show it would be a short on twitter or social media they would bash trump and it's like i don't want that from family i mean family guy was full you know full obama and it's like okay i kind of get that the simpsons i'm just like that's not your shtick the only, the only few times you've been political is the George Bush episode, which is a good episode, by the way. And any time they made fun of Hill, or Bill Clinton. Here, you know, the whole Trump thing was just a pain in the ass. And I'm saying this as someone who is a registered independent. It was a pain in the ass. It was brutal to see. So, it's going to be interesting to see what South Park does over the next upcoming four seasons with Obama, if they mention him, if they say anything, or if they do nothing at all, which is kind of possible. Because they really didn't do much with George W. Bush, except for like once or twice. And Clinton, they used him a lot of times early in the series. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, actually, let me go back real quick. And I know I'm going a little forward in the show, but having Mr. Garrison as Donald Trump, that was kind of a pretty funny move. It actually was. Okay, to IMDb, and let's see where everyone thought of this week's episode. Over 2,000 people voted or rated this episode. The average rating is a 7.7 out of 10. 572 people gave it an 8. That's going to be the score I give it this week. 427 people gave it a 7. 359 gave it a 10. 39 people gave it a 1. Now, with males, their average rating was a 7.7, with their highest demographic being 18 to 29. For females, the average rating was a 7.8, with their highest demographic being 45 and over, their average rating was an 8.3. So I'm going to give this an 8 on the IMDb. And we're going to look at here some reviews of this episode. So uh, let's begin. Oh boy, I got, I got quite a few I could pick from. Um. Okay, this one I'm going to pick from... Phenomenus. Phenomenus, I guess. And this is a pretty negative review of the episode. Of course, whenever South Park does a topical issue that would get old and irrelevant within months, you can't expect the episode to be very good. I was expecting something in this episode, but they just did something that struck me as completely without purpose, and perhaps a failed attempt to make Boom, baby! Some kind of seasonal catchphrase, like, How can I reach these kids? Or, I'm not your buddy, friend! I'm not your friend, guy! He's not your guy, friend! Instead, we get an episode as easily interchangeable with an Obama victory as with a, with a McCain victory. There's no satire or even farce or even a lame attempt at mediocre jokes at either candidate's expense. 
Instead, it gives us this incredibly ridiculous and incredibly stale plot in which McCain and Obama and Michelle and Sarah are jewel thieves who mastermind this multi-million dollar election scam to get one of them in the White House just to access an underground tunnel to steal a diamond in the Smithsonian only worth $200 million. Consider how much money Obama and McCain earned... Oh my lord. Consider how much money Obama and McCain earned in campaign fundraising. They could have stolen all that money and run off. Consider how much money Obama or McCain could steal straight from the taxpayers with corruption or the like and then run off with billions. This is kind of sounding like my dad wrote this. Anyway, I thought the joke would have been them settling for a piddling $200 million dollars but that was only mentioned once. Barack and Michelle aren't really married, but pretending to be. Sarah Palin is really a British dominatrix who pretends to be... I'm not going to say that word. Who pretends to be dumb. Ike Broflowski is also involved. Then it ends with Obama deciding to give the presidency a shot with Michelle. Not even the minor chuckles derived from Randy, cur Randy cursing out his boss or greeting Obama supporters with change could save this episode from being a shit heap. Ooh. Okay, someone did not like that episode. Uh, let's go to one that was put up a few days after this episode aired from Neobi underscore Arsiface. About Last Night is actually a pretty decent episode compared to most episodes in this season. Yes, it's quite random and seems to go off in places, but it's nonetheless a funny and imaginative episode. It starts off with Obama supporters celebrating that he has succeeded in winning the presidential election, getting drunk and screaming change, and McCain supporters worry and panic the world is about to end. Ike, being a McCain supporter, attempts suicide, and Cartman takes advantage of the situation by going around town and stealing televisions. In comes the Ocean's Eleven spoof. It is revealed that McCain and Obama are an elite team of thieves, and the presidential campaign was just a cover-up for a diamond heist. Everyone is in on it, including Palin and Obama's wife, Michelle. They plan to steal the Hope Diamond through an elaborate plan with an Ocean's Eleven style narration. Stan and Kyle take Ike to the hospital, only to find that there are no doctors around, as one, an Obama supporter, is out partying, and the other, a McCain supporter, has hung himself due to the loss of the election. The episode rounds up that McCain and Obama steal the diamond and fake their own death. But Obama decides to give being a president a go. Republicans wake up realizing the world has not ended, and Democrats wake up with severe hangovers. Granted, the episode is a bit slow, and definitely not one of their best, it's still certainly worth a watch. Alright, uh, let's go to MSE42, who wrote, I haven't watched an episode of South Park in about two years, and used to love the show happened to stumble across this episode last night. This show was so crazy and funny seemed real. When I saw they were doing the presidential election, I couldn't wait to watch. It gave a totally different spin than anything I've seen involving Obama and McCain. Loved the way they put this together and on right after the election. Was a little disappointed at Saturday Night Live. Also liked the way they played the movie Chaos into it. If you haven't seen Chaos, it's a good one. If you like South Park, check out Chocolate News with David Allen Greer. Watch it afterwards. Both these episodes were laugh out loud funny. Alright, uh, one more review. Uh, let's do... Okay, we're going to read from Tweakums. Tweakums wrote, It is November 2008, and it has just been announced that Obama has beaten Senator McCain in the presidential election. As the result is announced, most of South Park's adults' population are celebrating as though all the world's problems are solved, while the remainder act like it is a sign of the apocalypse. While scenes like this are replicated across America, a gang of crack jewel thieves are planning to steal the Hope Diamond from inside the Smithsonian. This team includes Obama and McCain. It turns out that they both ran for president so that one of them would win giving that person access to the White House escape tunnel that runs directly under the Smithsonian, the only way it can be accessed. 
Back in South Park, Ike is injured and Kyle and Stan try to get him to the hospital, but everybody is too busy partying or panicking to help. One problem with having topical episodes is that they can become stale as soon as the event slips from people's minds. Thankfully, the plot is so silly that it manages to keep its humor after four years. It helps, of course, that even the losers of that election were high-profile enough to be remembered. Randy's over-the-top antics can get a little annoying, but here he was pretty funny as the rabid Obama supporter who partied like a madman then felt totally disillusioned the next day. It made a nice change that something important was going on, but none of the four protagonists were involved in it is anyway. The robbery did have a surprising link to South Park, though, but I won't spoil it as I thought it was the funniest moment in the episode because it was such a surprise. So basically, the episode is pretty much mixed reviews, which is kind of interesting. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at SharksPond97. And join our Facebook group, Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. You type that in the search bar, and boom, you're right there. If you can't find it, it's okay. I put the link in the description of each and every episode. Now, as someone that is an educator, one of the things that I am aware of is things that kids like. And one of the things that kids were really into in 2008 was... High School Musical. So, it's only natural that South Park makes fun of that movie with this next episode, Elementary School Musical. How will this go? You'll have to listen and find out. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am Bill, and I'll talk to you all next time.